Hello and welcome to episode four. I actually realised that I haven't been introducing myself in these podcast episodes because I've just assumed that you know who I am if if you're coming along and, and listening to these podcasts. But if you don't know who I am, my name's Amelia. I'm a business lawyer and this podcast is just about my experiences as a lawyer and a business owner mixed in with a with a bit of legal advice and tips as well. So one thing I've been doing in the first three episodes is also giving you a bit of an update and insight into my own podcasting journey because it all happened quite quickly and I'm just learning as I go. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to just document that process as I go. So not too much happening with the podcast update this week. I actually didn't record last week. I was aiming to do these weekly, but the week got away from me. So I missed a week, which I was beating myself up a bit about because I know that the statistics of podcasts are something like most podcasts don't make it past 10 episodes. So I thought, wow, I didn't even get to episode four before falling off the bandwagon, but I'm here now, so I think that's all that matters. I actually did record an episode using Zoom, so it was just me talking to the Zoom camera and I recorded it, but I didn't really like it. The sound quality was actually not that great, which is one thing that I have been meaning to do is upgrade my mic. So yeah, I did actually have a an episode ready to go last week, but I didn't pass quality control, so here we are. So. I, one of the things that I have wanted to do with this podcast was mostly talk about my business journey and what I've learned as a lawyer working in private practice law firms in corporate, in the corporate world, because I didn't want to be too heavy on the legal education, mostly because sometimes people can kind of tune out with that stuff. So I'm pretty aware that legal stuff is not always top of the list if you're listening to podcasts to I don't know relax or unwind so I have avoided it a little bit but today I am getting into some legal topics and I called this podcast episode can I make terms and conditions cool because why not (laughs) first of all I think that what I do is interesting obviously otherwise I wouldn't do it but often I work with small business owners and there's a lot of stories and hesitation around firstly working with a lawyer and secondly having terms and conditions for their business so to give you a bit of background I work probably 99% of my clients are small businesses that are service-based businesses. So when I say service-based, they provide a service, whether it's a professional service or yeah, it's a service. There's no product that they're selling to customers. So they might be graphic designers, website designers, brand strategists, health coaches. Yeah, that type of thing. So a lot of the businesses that I work with have a real aversion to lawyers, mostly because they've never had to work with a lawyer. And a lot of the times my clients haven't even come from a corporate background. So 
they're not even really familiar with contracts and formal documents because they've just never been around that in in their business and their daily life. So I wanted to go through a couple of the preconceptions or stories that people kind of come to me with before they work on their terms and conditions for their business. And really, when I'm talking about terms and conditions, it's just having something in writing about how you're going to work with your clients. So if you are a service-based business, it's a really good idea to have in writing how you're going to work with your client in relation to how you get paid, what's the work you're going to do and things like that. And I'll get into a little bit of those as we talk about this, as I'm on my mission to make terms and conditions cool and something that you want to have in your business. But as I said, firstly, I want to go through some of the preconceptions that people have about terms and conditions. And maybe as you're listening to this, you might think, oh, yeah, I've thought that before. I'm definitely team no terms and conditions. Sometimes I will hear business owners say, oh, I don't want to be too formal. I don't want it to be a real you know, businessy relationship. You know, I want to be not friends with their clients, but they feel like having a document or sending them something to sign is too formal and it makes it uncomfortable in that client interaction. The other comments that I sometimes hear is that, oh, well, I've never actually had any issues with clients not paying me, so I don't really think it's that important that I get it done. Another one is people coming to me having used a free template for terms and conditions, or sometimes they copy from other people, not recommended, but they copied it from another business that they think has it all together. But I'm here to tell you that most times that business also probably just copied it from somewhere or pieced it together. So beware if you think that just pulling something from another business is going to actually suit your business. So they're kind of the ways that people come to me having had those experiences, but there's something that's now kind of pushed them to go, oh, maybe I should get this looked at, or maybe I should have someone explain what actually I have in my terms and conditions. And that's why I say I want to challenge people to think about terms and conditions in a different way, to make them cool, to make them part of your client engagement process, a part of just letting people know how you how they work with you. And one really great way that you can think about this from a different perspective and with a different lens is to think about boundaries and expectations. So if someone said to you, okay, what are your boundaries and what are the expectations you have for clients when they work with you? You could probably come up with a pretty quick list of what you want and what you don't want. So you want your clients to give you information that you need to do the job. You want them to respond to you in a timely manner. You want them to pay their bills on time and to understand when the payments are due. The boundaries, the things that you don't want is pushing back on work or asking for lots and lots of changes that are outside your original scope. So I think the best way to make terms and conditions cool is maybe to not even call them terms and conditions. 
let's think of it more as boundaries and expectations. So I got you to do a quick mental and that mental list list is to obviously get you to start thinking about how you can create those boundaries and expectations with your client. But let me talk a little bit about how we can do this with terms and conditions, because basically the terms and conditions are just having all of these things in one location that's easy to reference and you can keep coming back to. Now, you might already have some of these things in different parts of your business and different parts of your client engagement process. For example, you might have a an offer page where you talk people through what work you do, what they're going to get from you, maybe how long it takes. Maybe you then have a discovery call where you talk about your payment plans or how you'll get paid. And they're all in, these are in different places. So if there is an issue with one part or the other, there's not a clear place for you or your client to go back to, to say, okay, hey, what is, what's the go with payment? What's the go with how long this is actually going to take? So that is one of the big benefits of having terms and conditions. The other thing is having really clear words and clauses around how you get paid. Now, this might seem super obvious, but getting paid and helping a business with cash flow are kind of two different things. It's easy to say to a client, hey, this is the total price of my package. But what you really want to be saying is, okay, when is the first payment due? And at each each stage that you're asking for payment, are you actually making sure that your costs as a business are being covered? Because you don't want to be working for free. We want to have businesses that are going to support us. So being really clear about those payment timeframes is a really good idea for your terms and conditions. The second thing is the work that you'll do. So having a really clear scope of work of what what's included, because often your clients may be using your services as, as a service provider for the first time. They might not know what's involved in a website redesign or a brand strategy session or online health coaching. They, there may be some assumptions that they've got in their head of what's included. And unless you're really clear about that, that's where you can have tension or miscommunication with the expectations for your programs. Following that, another really important thing to do is to talk about any changes to the work. So this is more if you are doing a project for a client. So yeah, graphic design, web design, where you're reliant on the client coming back to you and giving feedback. You need to be clear about how many times they can come back to you or how many revisions they are um, allowed to make included in your initial price and have a really clear process of changes because sometimes the work does change. Sometimes the client says, hey, I really love that, what you're doing for us. Can we add this or can we add that? And having a clear process for that will really help because then you can say to the client really confidently, sure, I can do that for you. Here is the process. Here's the new cost. Here's the new scope of work. And it just avoids a lot of you as a business owner feeling, oh, should I have included that in this current scope of work? Is the client going to get upset if they thought that it was included, but now I'm asking them to pay extra. So it's really makes that a whole lot easier for you. Another great thing to include 
in your terms and conditions are clauses around your intellectual property. So when you're creating something for a client, you want to be really clear about the ownership of that intellectual property and how they can use it. So a really great example of this is for graphic designers. If you are creating work for a client, maybe it's for a very specific purpose. Maybe if it's for a website redesign or some social media content, you might not want that client then going and using your work for a billboard or a TV ad. So being clear about how they can use your intellectual property and you know, not saying that they can't use it for other purposes, but just being clear that if they did want to extend the use of that, then a different fee would apply. So that's another great one to think about. And I guess I want to just wrap up on a last one of cancellation. So having a really clear process about cancelling your service. Do they need to pay for a particular service where there's no refunds or is there a minimum period that they have to be locked into your service? Being really clear about that can save you a lot of headache as well. So they're just a couple of examples of how we can create those better boundaries and expectations with your clients in one easy to find location. Now, let me give you a few little examples of how it can go wrong. And I am not one to dwell on the negative because I think that in my line of work as a lawyer, we kind of have enough negative energy around what we do to start off with. So I'm not one to kind of bring out a lot of the negatives, but I think there is a lot of value in understanding some of the hidden traps that can happen when you just think that if I just do the same thing I've always done, it will be okay. Because as your business grows, as you work with more clients, you want to make sure that you're covering off on these these types of things as well. So from it, I guess a bit more of an intangible perspective, things that can go wrong, is that you may spend more time worrying about these things. You might have clients questioning your work or questioning the fees that you've paid. And then in turn, if you're not confident or if you don't know where you stand with, you know, can you have payments broken down the way that you've got the stages and the payments, you'll spend a lot of time worrying whether the client's right. Are they entitled to question these things? You might spend your own time researching and trying to find an answer in the masses of the internet to help you answer these questions. You know, you will have more time spent putting down a project than picking it up months later if the clients aren't communicating with you in an efficient way. The worst thing you can do as a business owner is to have that unspoken cost, I guess, of the pick up and put down, the constant picking up of the work, getting to a stage, having to send it to a client and then not hearing for them, from them for weeks. Or, or what if a client asks for a refund? Or what if they want to cancel? Or what if they're threatening to go to fair trading because you haven't given them a refund? And if you don't understand where you stand when we're looking at those things, it's going to cost you a lot more time and sometimes more money to have those answers at that stage. Whereas terms and conditions, they are preventative. 
we want to have that in place so you don't have to worry about these things later down the track. The benefit of those terms and conditions is that, yeah, sure, you may never have to use them. You may never have to refer to them. And they almost are like a bit of an insurance policy that ideally you don't want to have to be going back to it all the time. And the reason and the way that you know that your terms and conditions are effective is for that very fact. You don't have to go back to them all the time. And if you get really good at making that part of your client engagement process, you're having these conversations with your client upfront. So when they talk to you in the copy on your website, however you first connect with your clients, if you're able to bring all of these terms and conditions into the light, because as I said, we don't want to hide these away, it just makes it really clear from the start what your boundaries are and what your expectations are. So I hope I've done a decent job of convincing you that terms and conditions can be cool. They can be a really functional part of your business. Maybe it's challenged you a little bit. Maybe you still think, oh, still a bit of a waste of money. You know, everything's going fine. But I think the more you think about it in terms of boundaries and expectations and bringing this information as part of your onboarding process, client engagement process, however you want to call it, and making sure people know what it means to work with you will really help you feel more confident as a business owner and stop those little problems popping up down the track as well. So there you go. I'm on my mission to make terms and conditions cool. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see that I talk about it a lot Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to send me a DM if you have any questions. And if you are ready to up-level your terms and conditions and be really excited about them, I do have uh, an offer where I do your terms and conditions in a day. You don't have to be starting from scratch. We can actually work with existing terms and conditions that you've done. So you can head to my website to check that out, and I'll put that link in the show notes. But that's all for me. And I'll see you next time.